guys, and welcome back to the show. And this show, of course, is Sandcast Beach Volleyball with Tri Born and Travis Mawerder. First off, I don't know if you guys follow Tri on Instagram, but uh, we're just thankful that this dude is getting out of Hawaii, okay? Because he had to be airlifted out of one of the islands because it's flooding so bad. So uh, that's good that we'll have him back on the show when he comes back to the United States. But uh, onto the show itself, we have one of my favorites today. And I know I say that with pretty much every single episode that they're all my favorites because they're all freaking awesome. And a huge thank you to the guests for all being so cool and so open and willing to talk. But we have Jose Loyola on today. He's our first Hall of Famer Although we've had a lot of future Hall of Famers on the podcast, I mean, pretty much everyone we've had on the podcast has a pretty solid shot at ending up in the Hall of Fame. Jose is the only one to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, and it is multiple, multiple Hall of Fames. I mean, this dude has won 55 tournaments at one point. Him and Emmanuel Rego were one of the best, were the best team in the world. He played with Ricardo Santos. He's played with Adam Johnson. He's played with Kent Steffes, which we talk about all of those partnerships. We talk about pretty much everything, you know, beginning with Jose's career, starting in Brazil as a weekend warrior to it ending with him being one of the best Brazilian players of all time in a pretty short career. I mean, his first year on the AVP was 93. His last year on the FIVB was 2003. So, he was really on the top of the game for about 10 years, and he was brilliant during it. I know that all of our older listeners will probably remember him as one of the their favorite players that they rooted for back in the day for good reason. If, if you guys haven't watched a video of him on YouTube, I would recommend you do it. It's much better than anything you'll find on Netflix right now. And with Jose, we have two giveaways today, courtesy of Wilson, one of our favorite sponsors of the show. We have a Jose Loyola signed mini ball, as well as a Jose Loyola signed bag. So to win that giveaway, what I want you to do is we have started a a Sandcast email, okay? That is sandcastpodcast at gmail.com. And we're going to start a new feature to the show called The Mailbag. I don't know. We might figure out a a better name for it. But a lot of the podcasts that I like do mailbags, and I think that that would be a fun feature. This would be a little bit different than fan questions because this would just be me and Try answering your questions. It's it's non-topical. It can be about whatever you want us to answer. We'll talk about it. This could be a weekly feature, a bi-weekly feature. We're not sure yet. We just want to add it to the show as we begin to grow and expand as, as the beach volleyball season starts coming around. So email us to win to win the, the Jose Loyola signed ball and signed bag. Email us a fan question at sandcastpodcast at gmail.com and we will pick our favorite question and you will win the giveaway. All right. And we will announce that on a later show. All right. So for now, just enjoy one of my favorite shows here with Jose Loyola. All right. Well, this is Sandcast Beach Volleyball with Triborn and Travis Mawarda, presented by Marriott Vacation Club Rentals and brought to you by VolleyballMag.com. We're back in our Born on the Beach studios after a little bit of a hiatus and a quick visit to Huntington Beach earlier today with the Witt Sisters. And we have an awesome guest in here today. We have another coach, but also our first Hall of Famer oh, on the yeah, podcast. Yeah. Thank right. you. Mr. Thank Jose you. Loyola, what's happening? Uh, not much, man. Well, first of all, thank you for the invitation to uh, have me in here through this uh, podcast. It's, yeah. You guys are doing a fantastic job. You know, I'm feeling really comfortable here. 
got on the table. I got a, like a glass of wine here in front of me. <laughs> Come on. Now that's, it's like our, like, <laughs> that's like one of our signature touches of the show. We yeah. just a little glass of wine with the podcast and we just, just a little free flowing and, conversation. <laughs> Loosen everyone up a little bit. But I told them, you know, I was not going to drink anything during the week, you know, <laughs> and I'm breaking my, breaking my promise here. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, sometimes you got to break the rules for Sandcast. It's <laughs> a big occasion, right? Like, huge, huge occasion. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the season is sort of about to get underway. I don't know if, like, I mean, the Hague was a little bit ago. Because, like, the beach season is almost split up into two now with how early it, it starts. You have, like, a little preview with the Hague in January, and now we're getting into full time. Uh, and you're coaching Sarah Hughes and Summer right now, I believe, right? Yes. So how's, how's the prep for Huntington going? Well, the prep for Huntington and also for China because we leave to China this upcoming Sunday, the April 15th. That will be the first tournament they're actually going to be playing together as a team. And uh, I think China, it's uh, one step of a preparation for Huntington Beach because uh, they certainly want to win every tournament, but winning Huntington because that's what Sarah's from and that's what we wanted to win at home in our homeland yeah. and uh, it's exciting it's exciting to go in and to China first and just to see where we at as a team and see what we have to make as a as an adjustment and but we're excited we're I, I believe we're on the right track now it's just a matter of time it's good that's gonna be a fun event I'm I'm pretty jealous that I'm not playing in it but getting to host or just the format alone, half AVP. So you're, you feel comfortable. You know, everyone comes home to play AVPs and it's like you're comfortable and you just want to just go have fun out there. But then you get have that international crowd coming in or players coming in and playing in it. It's, like, it's basically like international players are playing in our AVP now. That's like sounds just like a really fun event to play in. I think it's only like, in my opinion, it just like it jacks up the uh, the level, you know, the competition. It raises up the the level. I think the uh, having the AVP partnered up with event with the FIVB. I think there are our uh, national players. They some of them, some of them, they don't have a lot of opportunities to go internationally compete. I think this is a great opportunity for those players just to get a little taste, just to see what it is to compete in international competition. So we never done this before. We never had a tournament in this format before. But like I said before, I think it's a great opportunity for our athletes here in the United States to just get a little taste what the competition looks like internationally. And I'm so curious, and try. I'm really interested in, in your thoughts on the format too, because we've never seen an event like this. 48 team, double a limb, International and with a heavy American slant too, with 16 American teams going to be in it. Plus, you know, maybe a couple come out of the qualifier too, which that qualifier is going to be gnarly. What do you think of the format? This is just a massive tournament. <laughs> well, I, I believe so. Honestly, we never had this format before. So it's really, really difficult for any of us mention anything. I think we, all we have to do is be supportive you know, of the event and be be willing to help out because once we understand that we're helping this event and we're helping volleyball in the United States, and but as far as the format, it's going to be really interesting because uh, I hear a lot of the international players already bitching about it, you know what I mean? Like saying, yeah. oh, how that's going to... It's a big concern because if they do this next year, that may affect of the running for the Olympics. So there's a lot of issues that are coming up. So we just have to 
make sure that we don't get anybody mad and then losing the opportunity to have events like this in the United States, you know? I think right now what's important is as the players and everybody else to embrace the competition and then we'll figure it out if that works it out or not. And I think that this is a good year to have it though because it's not an Olympic year. So I think this is almost like an experimental thing probably and that we'll see how it works and maybe this will just be like a non-Olympic qualification type event. So we'll have it two years during Olympic qualifications. Don't have, I don't know. I think that it'll be just kind of fun to see how it works out. I think you're right about that. I think the FIVB, they, uh, certainly they, I don't think they do a lot of stuff random. I think everything they do, it's got to have to have a purpose. We don't know what the purpose is yet, <laughs> but we're going to find out. But you're right. As far as, as like having this tournament this year, which is not going to affect anything, any point towards the Olympics or any FIVB points, it's just to see maybe this is the future of the sports, you know, having more promoters willing to put tournaments in the different countries, not only AVP, but we can go also go to Europe and have the same type of events too and bring more money to the tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Maybe, maybe FIVB is just kind of testing it out and seeing if it works, and then they can open it up to all the other domestic tours around the world. Not that there's that many, but Brazil has a very successful domestic tour. Well, maybe Europe Brazil does too. Now. Europe, Austria, yeah, right. Germany. There is so many countries there. Yep. They can't afford it to have a national tour. Maybe by doing this, you, you open up the doors for more promoters to come in and, and yep. invest in the sport. I think it's good. I mean, there's definitely the, things that don't make sense about right, it, right. and there's reasons why the international players aren't happy about it is because look how many U.S. teams are getting an opportunity to get FIVB points, whereas the lower-level teams, like the teams that are 5 through 10 or whatever, aren't getting that opportunity in other countries. So it's it's a definitely a benefit for the American players, but... FIVB does a lot of stuff that we don't understand, so we gotta take advantage of this <laughs> yeah, opportunity. Uh, and in my opinion, I don't see this as being an advantage or a disadvantage for the American or international players. This is just another tournament, and if you're a player, you don't have to choose and pick what you want to do or not. You just have to go out there and play. You know, there's no excuses. You know, oh, the FIVB doing this, the FIVB is doing that. Just get out there and play. You don't see the top players complain, making you know any point. Yeah. They just want to get there and play. And I think too, what I mean, a mindset of most of the top players is that you want to play against the best, right? And now we have 48 teams in a main draw. You're, you're going to get a crack at every good team in the world. But I mean, that's, that's what that's I said. Wild. Well, but that's what I said earlier, though. It only it's going to raise up the level of our, of our national players. Yeah. That's how people have to look into it, looking in the positive side. You know, what do you rather have a qualify with a bunch of kids that are coming from the United States, but you, then you have a tournament that in a qualify, you, like you said, you have the little taste, the little crack to play against international teams, mm-hmm. bringing the, the, uh, the extra flavor. Yeah. <coughs> Bottom line is, it's a huge opportunity for a lot of players, and you can look at it how you want, but, but like you said, you got to look at it as a positive, take advantage of the opportunity, because it might not happen again. Or maybe this is going to be a new, a new thing. And, and that's one thing that, that I was thinking, because, so I'll be in the qualifier, and most of my friends and the guys I play with out here will also be in the qualifier, and a lot of them are saying that 
they didn't want to sign up because what are the chances that they get through? But I would love to play against, say, an Alvaro or Simon if they're in it. You know, I think it's because, like, I'm not at a point where I'm going to be traveling internationally anytime soon. So this is the only chance I'll have for a little bit to measure myself against an international team. I think it's an awesome stage to have. I don't, I've never understood the mindset where, oh, well, there's no point because we're just going to get our ass kicked. I, I think you're <laughs> nailing on the answer. You have to measure your stage and to see where you're at. Because right. if you want to continue in the sports, if you want to do become a professional volleyball player, this is it. This is the true test that you have to go through. And you, if you're going to win on the big stage, you're probably going to have to lose on the big stage first. So go out there and, and go measure, measure yourself up against the best in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to put it. And speaking of measurements, too, so we, haven't, we have yet to see Summer and Sarah play together. Uh, how would you evaluate them right now? I know, I know partner chemistry takes a minute to, to get together. I think the, uh, the fact that they're both are pretty similar as far as with the age and, the, uh, and they, these girls are know each other since they're young because I believe that Sarah and Summer, they compete and won F5EB U21 World Champions. So they already had that little experience of playing together. But now it's a com- completely different spectrum. Now they're coming and they're walking into the professional level. Now it's a different story. This is like, this is matter now. This is no longer U21s. This is the like the stuff we've been talking about. This is the measurement. That's how we're gonna measure a team. I think for us, the chemistry is gonna come when they start competing more. I think there's nothing better than the competition to teach you how to communicate because bottom line, you, you're gonna have to communicate while you're playing, right? So a lot of times you do have communications you do on during training, you do a lot of drills, you can reinforce that, you can work on that, but the Realistic comes when you compete. And this is when you have to learn how to communicate during the pressure of the game. And the only thing that can teach you how to communicate is just the game along. So for us, it's been really like anxious to waiting for this four weeks to go out there and compete, you know? Mm-hmm. We're pretty anxious, all of us, you know? And we're very excited though. I think that's the most important thing. How do your nerves compare? So you were a player at the top for a long time. How do your nerves compare as a coach versus a player? Because I'm sure it's very different because I know that, you know, I've coached like young basketball teams before, right? And it would drive me insane when they didn't do something, like when they ran the offense wrong, for example. And I'm sure that you have plenty of that where you just look at them and you're just like, no, <laughs> you can do that at a better level. Yeah, well, well this, is, <laughs> this is one of the things you have to learn when you become a coach. Well, first of all, in order for you to completely turn yourself into a coach, you have to kill the player that's inside of you. And for me right now, I think this is what you have. The player, it's already dead. So <laughs> now it's only the coach, you know? And this is how you, you understand that things that, that I used to do before, I know some of my players are not gonna be able to do it now. Maybe now, maybe in the future they will. So you've learned how to be a little bit more patient. You learned that there's ways you can teach them to go that direction. It's just patient and timing, you know? That's what takes it. Yeah, I can't imagine if if I had to go out and coach. I think I, <laughs> the player in me is definitely not dead. <laughs> it's not, just, yeah. Just do it. Just like, it's not that hard. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's very simple. And with the, I mean, just the player in you, you played at such a high level for so long. 
when when you came onto the AVP in '93, that was kind of the you were the first international team to win an AVP, correct? In '95 in DC. Actually, yes. And he and I won our our first F AVP event in 1995. That was an indoor event. It was one of the Avion indoor series, the, the night series that we had back in the day. I believe we had about three or four of that of tournaments of that year, and the following year we had more. And uh, but my first tournament that I won outside on the beach was with Adam Johnson in nine, I believe it was 1995 in Seaside Heights, New Jersey. Wow. We need to bring back those Jersey Nike. Shore. <laughs> yeah, Jersey Shore. I bet the after party well, was pretty good. Oh my God! Are you kidding me? Well, this is the thing. Sometimes you know when they do those events at night times, you know they kind of leave a little room for the party afterwards, right. and it's always nice. And I remember that year, one year that I won, not with the Gio, but in 1995 that I won with Adam Johnson. We had about. Over 13,000 people inside the Madison Square Garden, and Madison uh, Square Garden. And that was like in February. It was just snowing outside. What? And we were having a fun inside playing beach volleyball. In Madison Square Garden? Yeah, I think that was in <sighs> early 1996. Dang, I hate I hate hearing your guys. Story. <laughs> Those are the good old, yeah, the good old days, back. the good old stories, you know. We need we need some wealthy we need, investor to come, we come need bring our tour back. We need to get healthy again, yeah, come back go. in the tour, right? I'm I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> if I see Madison Square Garden on the schedule, and I'll, 13, I'll be out 000, there. 13,000 13, people inside. Yeah, I'll be healing up real quick on. if I hear that. Yeah. <laughs> And we haven't seen an international presence on the AVP for a little while until this past year when we had Ricardo and came Shock. Do you think that that's the direction that the AVP is moving? And do you think that that's, that's a good thing too? Because there's a little bit of give and take either way. Yes, it's always, there's, it's always gonna be the two sides of the spectrum, right? There's always the two sides of the coins. You know, one side of the coin is, oh, yes, you have to give the American players more opportunities, you know, because, you know, they're working hard, they need more space. But on the other hand, on the other side of the spectrum is what? By bringing these guys, well, you kind of elevate the level of your tournament, you know, and maybe they can bring some potential sponsors into the table. So you have to be receptive. You have to understand that you got to look on the two sides always, you know, you can only see yourself, oh, these guys are taking my spot, you know, and I qualify. Yeah, but what about the rest of the, you know, the what else they can do for us? No, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but I, I, I'm telling you the possibilities, the possibilities that that can happen, you know? It can help us, but it can also hurt us. How was your reception when you guys came over and started playing? Because I know you had like a, was it a wild card for the whole season? Well, we had a wild card for two events. Okay. For the first two events in Florida. I believe the first one was at Fort Myers and the second one was Pensacola. Yeah, we got to okay. get into this story a little. So, yeah, we, uh, I'm going to tell you guys story. a little bit of that story. So, when G and I moved, yeah, huh? perfect. Go. Go ahead. No, no, no. This is what I no, want to No, we, uh, <laughs> we moved in here that, uh, and, I after we played in Brazil in the beginning of the year that we took it down. And how old uh, are you? I was at 22 years old that mm -hmm. time, and we beat Sanjin Smith and Randy Stokos at two times in the world in the world tour in Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> Those guys was They're invincible, gods. and there are gods down there. And then we took them down. 
because we beat those guys and went to the finals, we ended up losing at that final for the team we won in the first round of Kent Steffes and Adam Johnson. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, the AVP guys, I believe John Stevenson was there at that time. He was the president of the AVP. So, oh, you got to bring those guys over, you know. You got to bring those guys over. They're really excited. They're fun to watch. Let's give them a two wild cards for the Florida events. So we came in, and then uh, Gene and I, the first day we got to Fort Myers, we decided, oh, let's go take a little run. So <laughs> we start running. Next thing you know, oh, let's go back, you know. Hey, wait a minute. We, I don't think we passed this place here. <laughs> Next thing we know, we went for a 15, 20 minutes to run, ended up being like 51 hours. <laughs> and we completely got lost <laughs> because it got really dark really fast, and then we couldn't find a hotel. <laughs> well, anyways, right before our first competition here, <laughs> we ran about a one hour because we were lost. <laughs> then we went in. We were not even in the bracket. We were outside of the bracket. So we had to play one game to get in the bracket. Then we won, and then we went through that get in the bracket. In the first game, I think we played Hovland and Dodd, and they ended up taking us on time. They didn't beat us with the full time. That Back in the days, we still play for the clock. So they ended up beating us, and then we went to the loser's bracket. So after we play one game after the bracket and one game into the main draw, and now we're going to the loser's bracket. And before, the tournament was held in two days event. So basically, if you lose your first game of the day, you're, going deep, road back. you're, you're going deep <laughs> into the jungle. Dang. You know, you gotta, you gotta play at least four to five games. And that's what we did. And for some reason, I think Brad Furhoff and Rick Lutis at that time, they had upset. They, they had upset, they ended up losing to a team they, they're not supposed to lose. And we had to play them to continue on for Sunday. And then they ended up beating us. And then we end up, and I think we end up with the 13s at that tournament. And then we move on to Pensacola. Got it to Pensacola, we were playing really well in the tournament. We beat our first two games at this time. And then we're going to play Cindy Smith and Randy Stoklos. Guess what? The tournament was called out. What? Bad storm came in, wiped off everything. The hurricanes in Florida, things were ugly. They called it out. They got lucky. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> they were scared. <laughs> yeah, they were scared. So then, anyways, we are, uh, damn, what are we doing now? And then we're out there, you know, with those guys, you know, hanging out with Brian Lewis and Mike Dodd and Tim Hovland. You guys got to go back to California. You guys got to go to California. And then we just realized that with those two finish, we have enough point to be in the men draw. Then we say, you know what? We're not going back to Brazil. We're going to get a plane and go <laughs> to California. <laughs> uh -oh. So that's how everything starts. Dang. We flew into California. Stay over Mike Dodds for the first couple of nights. Then we ran a place in El Segundo from Hovland. And here I am, 25 years later. <laughs> wow. Here we are. <laughs> here we are. The, so crazy. So the FIVB, I mean, it was only founded, for Beach at least, it was only founded in 87. And that, even that was just one exhibition event in Rio. Correct. Did Brazil have a beach volleyball culture prior to that? Or was when it came over and had that exhibition, was that kind of an eye-opening moment where it was like, oh, wow, like this is an awesome game? It was more a sort of an eye-open moment because until then, all the Brazilian players, they're 
playing those events, there are the weekend warriors, you know, they would come and just train during the weekends. And my generation, I was an indoor player at that time. And Angie and I were the first ones that start like getting out of the indoor and start dominating those beach players because we had more contact. We touched the ball every day. We're training in indoors every day. And then we're, and for us, the transition between the indoors and the sand was pretty easy. So we didn't have a lot of, you know, difficult time to get used to the sand. And it was like, okay, now we can do that. Now we're taking all this, those guys. And then the two years later, our team lost the sponsors, you know, because Brazil, obviously, we had another Christ. You know, we ended up losing our sponsors from the indoor team. And that year, I moved back to my house in Victoria. And then the following year, in 1991, we started the Brazil tour, the Banco do Brazil. It was the first year of the... Uh, wow, and it's still, yeah. that's still the main sponsor of the it's domestic the main tour. It's the sponsors, yes, yes. Wow, that's awesome. And when did, when did it kind of take because now it's obviously huge in brazil i mean there i would say that brazil is probably the number one country in the world in terms of beach volleyball kind of i don't even know how would you rank them with brazil the u.s i think the netherlands uh, they are probably have, up there think, they gotta have a bigger fan base than us no i i don't know i i don't think so i think in here in the united states we have a bigger pipeline we had a more more quality I think Brazil, what Brazil does, they have a smaller groups, you know, and they concentrate more into these players. As opposed here in the United States, we had a huge pipeline. So we, ha we have more, we get a deep pocket. Right, so when that's we, like the national team and, yeah, and the, the development. Yeah, the national team and development. And to be honest with you, people are saying, oh, well, you know, you gotta do this, you gotta learn Brazil. But I was the first one to move to the United States. And everything I've learned, I've learned here. And all the people are doing in Brazil, it's the stuff that I learned here. So you know what I'm saying? So yeah. things are sometimes getting a little weird. I think Brazil right now, they're doing a great job. They're doing a great job by maintaining their top teams in, you know, at the high level. Right. You know, but I see our, our system here have more variety, have more players. We can develop more players. Yeah, they, they definitely seem like they focus a lot on those top players like there's like literally six or eight coaches at one practice like yes. we're going all in on these top players whereas our national team like you know we have coaches like you coaching one or two teams and right. doing youth and like yeah, spreading spreading your skill set out i think we're changing a little bit around here too i think it's like you have to catch up with the system. I don't think only Brazil are doing this. I think the Europeans, the Germans, and the Netherlands are doing the same thing. And, uh, but they're just smaller. I think that if something happens with that group of players, you know, I think in the future we should be able to dominate because we have more like recycling coming in. We have more newer players coming in. We have bigger players coming in. And you can look up, you can look the, uh, I mean, on the women's side, you know, we had, what was the last team was dominated the world? Carrie and Misty? Carrie and April. Uh, April, sorry, A Carrie and April. April. Then we had Larissa and Talita. Right. But they were going back and forth. Right now, the world tour, at least on the women's side, is pretty wide open. Yeah, totally. You know, it's, it's, it's like anybody can win, anybody can lose. You know, there's not one team right now, as we speak, that's completely taken over. Do you think that we might be at an end of that era where one team can dominate. 
Because I think that just with in sheer volume, the more teams you add, the harder it is for just one team to dominate like a Carey in April did or a Carey in Misty did. I mean, for 12 years, Carey and Misty were almost untouchable. Right. Do you think that we, it's possible to even see a team do that again just with how many players there are in the system now? It's hard to say because um, anything can happen, you know. Right now, my team can start dominating the world, you know. You never know. So it, it, it all depends. I think on the woman's side, there's a lot of confidence. Once you build the confidence, once you pass that rump, you know what I mean, that bump that you think you can't win. And then it's more, I don't know about the men's side. I think it's a lot more deeper. I think there's more talent, there's more physicality, yeah. you know. As you know, Try, you can tell a little bit better on the men's side, so. Yeah, I think, I think it's possible, for sure. If, if I were to take a few players and be able to match them up in teams, if I were to put Phil and Bruno together, or maybe, I don't, I don't know who, but, like, the top defender with, the top, with the top blocker, I think they could easily go on a pretty crazy run right now. But yeah, like it's it's much harder. You're not you're not gonna see the, what uh, Phil and Todd did, right? They went on like right. a forty something, forty five match win streak or something at one point. Like also with, too, uh, depending on the time of that stretch, sometimes the competition level goes up and goes down. Right. I think right now it would have been a lot harder for Phil and Todd to do what they did. Yeah. And the same thing when I broke the world record with Emmanuel mm-hmm. to win six or seven tournaments in a row. You know, yeah. so it's a lot harder nowadays, like you were saying. So, but it's possible. Harder, but possible. Like the the yes. a, I mean, the athletes the athletes are better now. Yes, which, and I'm talking yes. to probably yes. one of the greatest athletes to play our game. Yeah. So, there's more athletes that were like you out out there, but so it's going to be harder to dominate. Well, not only that, there's more players that are taller than I am. And with the same physicality mm-hmm. and the same, you know, uh, uh, conditioning that I or jumping ability or running ability touch or physical on the or ball. touching on the ball, yeah. they're bigger than I am. You know, they're a lot bigger than I am, and they're moving as well as I did. So you never know. I don't know if I'm trying to think if we could ever. I mean, I'm sure we could, but I, I can't think of a player as dynamic as you were in that you and Emmanuel were one of the best teams in the world. And then a year later, you and Ricardo were one of the, best, the best teams in the teams world. In the world. Yeah. So you went from being one of the best blockers to being one of the best defenders. And I don't know, like, I'm fascinated by Avery Drost, who can do it, you know, at, at an upper tier level on the AVP. You were the number one team in the world as quite a defender a, and a then as a blocker. Well, <laughs> I want to see Avery, like, I want to start winning tournaments, <laughs> yeah. blocking. That's I don't know about that comparison right now, about. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great player. I believe that <laughs> phenomenal player, I think, We've got a lot of players like themselves with a lot of physicality. They're capable of take over the world. You know, I think every can do it. I mean, it's just like that mental toughness. I think to me, that's a little bit of a difference. I see back in the days when I play with somebody because I knew if I play with that guy, I'm gonna have a chance to win. We're gonna do the best team in the world. Now sometimes, you know, People are picking up their partners because they're friends, you know, not because they they match together, because they wanted to play together, because that's something they they talk in the past. It's not like they're not looking like you were telling me earlier, Try. They're not looking to match, like I'm picking up the best blocker with the best defender. Right. Like here in the United States. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of combination right now. If we do it, we can be a lot better on the men's and the women's side. Yeah, I agree. 
I, I actually really like when you say that, that your team comes to mind for me. When I see these two, because I've seen Summer, she's just call her stone cold. She, you know what you're going to get out of Summer. She's going to perform whether it's, whether it's match point of a championship point or it's first play of the match. Like She's just like steady, steady across yeah. the board. And then you partner her up with someone like Sarah who's brings all, all, the fire. all potential. She's done so much already in her career, but it's all potential. And everyone wants to see what, what she has to, to do at, at this level. And she's made that move early in her career. She's not, she's not like, I'm not going to stay with my partner just because we have a history together or because we're friends. It's like, we're trying to create something here, create something great, and this is the opportunity, so I'm going to do it. It's, it's yeah, a job. If it, it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But right. at least you give yourself a try. Mm -hmm. You will never figure it out if that's going to be a good team or not until you try. Right. I think you're right. I think you described that really, really well, you know? Now, I haven't seen, I don't know if you watched Summer and Brooks. It was either the bronze medal match in Fort Lauderdale or it was the semifinal. I haven't seen a blocker just take over a match like that in a long time. I think, so the FIVB, they had the, the little measurements on them for that one. And Brooke got like every serve, but I think by the third set, she had like 16 jumps because Summer optioned like every and ball. It was just ball. burying That's pretty them. amazing. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I didn't see because we lost. I was pretty frustrated. Just, just went home. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. just didn't want to hang out in the tournament anymore. Yeah, you started the year with Emily and Brittany. I mean, well, I mean Kelly, Kelly and, and Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> I don't know why that came into my head. <laughs> well, that's because of the. I wine, watched right? too much ball. Yeah, it's the wine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the wine. <laughs> it's too much wine. Um, just kidding. He only had a half a, half a glass. Yeah, maybe I should <laughs> refill. <laughs> Uh, I lost my train of thought now, so we'll move on. Well, kind of going back to, to your day. So when you came to the AVP 93, you got rookie of the year, right? Was that, did you need kind of a, a validating moment that like, yeah, you could, you could do this or like, how long did you know that, you know, you were going to be one of the best players in the world? So I feel like being, cause that, in the nineties, that's when the AVP was like peaking. Was we had Javi Dodd, yes. Smith and Stoklos, Karch, Ken Steffes was starting to come up, Adam Johnson. I think that year, what determines my future as far as the AVP player, or like, this is like when I really realized that I can be the best player in the world. It was right after we finished the season. And then I went to my uh, first King of the Beach. And I had the opportunity to play with the players that I was always like, Idolize, you know, the players, they're all, those guys is my idol. Those are the players that I watched them. I was born, I was racing, watching those guys play. And now here I am having the opportunity to play. Now we're going to take a quick minute for a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Wilson Volleyball. Listen, the AVP plays with Wilson for a reason. The CBVA plays with Wilson for a reason. The college ranks play with Wilson for the reason. It makes the best ball in sports. All right, and now, good news as you're getting ready for your preseason to get ready for the season, you can save on all Wilson equipment by using our discount code WILSONSAND. That'll save you 20% on all purchases at Wilson. Listen, I know that we got to play with the Mikasa for Huntington Beach. I get it. But soon enough, Austin will be around the corner. The rest of the AVP season is around the corner. The rest of the college season is around the corner in CBVA. So use our discount code WILSONSAND to save 20% off on all purchases. I know you need some balls for the preseason. Listen, I need them too, all right? So don't be afraid to use our discount code and play the balls that the pros play.
Hi, everyone. Amanda Dowdy here. I'm a professional beach volleyball player, and I absolutely love the benefits of Firefly Recovery. I use the Firefly straps to help boost my recovery while I travel, after training or practice, and in between matches at a tournament. It is simple to use, and its small size makes, makes it perfect for travel. Firefly Recovery has become a staple in my training regimen, and honestly, it should be in every athlete's gym bag. Check out Firefly Recovery for yourself and change your game. This podcast is also brought to you by VolleyballMag.com. Listen, we know that volleyball doesn't get a whole heck of a lot of coverage. All right, that's why VolleyballMag.com has you covered. It's your daily digital news source for all things volleyball. You want indoor volleyball? They got you. You want photos? Ed Chan is on the case. You want video? We're starting to add that to Sandcast. You want audio? Sandcast goes through VolleyballMag.com. And with writing, me, Lee Feinswog, Megan Kaplan, and Ed Chan, the team at VolleyballMag.com, we got you covered. So if you're looking for volleyball news, go to VolleyballMag.com, which is the one and only media outlet that covers our sport on all fronts every single day. And now, back to the show with Jose Loyola. I think we can't. I think if we, the problem here in the United States, and not only here in the United States, I think it's with the volleyball in general, none of us willing to work together in pro of the volleyball. Everybody has their personal agenda. FIVB has their personal agenda. AVP nowadays have their personal agenda. We had NVL. Basically, we have a lot of tournaments conflicting with each other and having some tournaments telling all the players, oh, if you play here, you can't play there. So that you create a lot of controversy. You create a lot of uh, a bad blood into the business, into the game, you know? And then our sports are so small. You know, and I see if we can come together, you know, and go in, a, in the right direction and make sure that we can make something big here again and gain the credibility. That's what's hurting us, not having the credibility. Because every time everybody you see, they're going to say, oh, are they going to have another tour conflicting with this? We never know. So need things need to be a little bit more clear, you know. We got to do a better job, like understanding and maybe, you know, having everyone and somehow working on the same page. Maybe like AVP and FIVB, what they're doing now, it can help us growing here as a national tour again if we know how to use that, that, that opportunity. Also, too, I see a lot of opportunity that the sports can grow again. For college, for example, there's many ways to do that, but we have to work under the same page. Right. Beach volleyball, it's too small to become so spread out. I think that's why we're not so successful. You think it's going to take some sacrifice on the part of a lot of all these different governing bodies of the sport? Because it's, yeah, like you said, everyone's trying to get a piece of the pie, but at the end of the day, we need to consolidate. We, I mean, we said earlier, we have some of the best athletes we've ever had in this sport right now. Our sport is potentially as good as it's ever been in terms of the high level of volleyball. But everyone's just spread out so thin because there's so many different ways that we're getting pulled as athletes. And it's just, you can't just go to one place as a fan and watch the best players in the world and know when they're going to play consistently together for a common goal. Right? It's like, it's hard to be a fan of our sport, I think. And it's going to take a sacrifice from one of the tours or, or few of the tours to be like, okay, we're going to sacrifice a little bit of our profits here to be able to combine with 
everyone else in the sport and make one powerhouse of a either a tour or a just something for for people to gather around that's like the mecca of our sport rather than like confusing fans and being like fans coming in like oh so like FIVB is where the best players play or what is well, what is AVP right, and why are the players gone well, what, like, what about this uh, NVL too what NBL, about this new thing yeah. that's coming up right now that nobody knows it or mm-hmm. it's 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 really hard to it's not about somebody taking a, a, a giving up something it's putting their heads together and see mm-hmm. how things are going to work out together right I mean there's a lot of business people out there yeah. and they should be able to figure something out you know you, you don't have to necessarily give something up, but you can combine. You can work it out. Seems like there's there's got to be some egos in the way here, though. Like, I mean, it's it seems so easy, the the business people, to, to, like, see what's going on and, like, to figure out that they need to combine resources here. I but also think, I too, the, uh, that we need to surround ourselves with the good people around us, you know? I think AVP needs to do a better job with that. I think the other two, they need to know people they're they're working for them, they have to be respected, you know? People like to come because they like these people, you know? A lot of times you see with volleyball, there's a lot of negativity because, oh, they're all, I'm talking about about this tour or this tour of that tour, NVL or AVP, whatever tour it is. It, it, we're not going to go anywhere. We're just going to keep losing our base fence. You know, we're going to losing more and more and more until we're coming together, you know, and, and try to figure out something. Right now, like you said, this is the best time for beach volleyball. We have phenomenal athletes, phenomenal men and women competing here, competing international. These athletes, they need something good. They need something here that it's reliable. They can make a leave on it. I go, even then, I, the other day I was at the gym, I went to the sauna, to the gym room, and then I was listening to these guys talking about beach volleyball, and one of the guys was saying, yeah, well, what happens with the beach volleyball, you know? And then I heard that the players, even the players, they're, 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 they're taking nothing, you know? They're playing for nothing now anymore. That's sad to hear that, you know? Yeah. When you go into a steam room and a gym and people are talking <laughs> yeah. about volleyball <laughs> and on a negative side, you know what I mean? We don't, we don't need any more bad publicity. Yeah. We need I- to changing things around. I feel like as a player, like when I first came on the tour, it was actually pretty good. I mean, compared to what it is now, you know, with we had like eight, 10 grand slams and the, you know, 56 grand you can win for winning first, which is a significant amount. And, but it's gone way downhill since then, even since I've been out of the sport for the last year and a half. And it just sucks to, to want to commit yourself like an elite world-class professional athlete but then not have the incentive like what's my ultimate thing that I can get here and is it worth it is it worth everything that you put into it and right now the ultimate I mean it's the Olympics obviously but that's every four years which is kind of sad like why isn't there a championship every year for our sport I I agree right and it's like what are we what is that ultimate thing that I'm working for every day and right now it's like it's kind of a question and and another thing that you have to take in consideration here majority of the volleyball players that we have here in the United States they can't afford to have a coaches so they can't have afforded to have not even to buy their tickets to go in a tournament they know going in, they're already losing money. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's really hard when you have to go to an event 
that you know you're not making any money. There's only like maybe a few players, you know, on the men's side and the women's side that can say that I can make a live of this. Yeah. But 90% of the rest of the pack, they can survive. It's really difficult to have a sport to grow when only five or maybe not even 10% of the athletes make a live, you know, make a living of it. You know, how are you supposed to be the best player in the world if you have to train in the morning, you know, and then maybe lift, lift weights in the afternoon and then you have to work as a bartender or as a waitress like from seven to two o'clock in the morning so you can afford to, to go to events and do all that stuff. It's impossible. We're losing quality. We're losing all that, you know, the athleticism from mm -hmm. these athletes, you yeah. know. They're tired. They can't perform. What I'm hoping, I wonder if, if Huntington could not prove to be a, a new model for every tournament, but there's a lot of cooperation that went on between the AVP and the FIVB for the first time in a pretty long time. I think Cincinnati a couple years ago was yeah. similar in but that it was, it was kind of a combined a, it was, event. It was just an FIVB hosted, so the promoter was AVP, but it was a okay. normal AVP open so event. Or or well, open. this is the thing, too. I think people have to stop to bad mouth you know, our sports, you know, we have to start changing things around, you right. know what I mean? I think we have to be positive of our sports. Every mm -hmm. time we have something new or a new event, people start complaining instead of like supporting. I think that's part of the deal too. We need to retrain ourselves that every opportunity we have it, like even myself here right. at this podcast, I don't want to come here and bad mouth about our sports. I right. want to talk about positive. Right. Maybe somebody's going to hear and somebody's listening to what we're talking about and say, hey, these are the kind of people we're looking into. Mm -hmm. I think we need to change that too. And the only, the only way we can change it's with the players. Players need to be aware yeah. of that. They need to know what they should say when they get interviewed. They need to understand the commitments they have. It. So I think part of that I can blame on ourselves too yeah. by not doing a good job, by not being positive with our sports. Yeah, and it, it does come down to the players too wanting to get their piece of the pie, you know, because everyone has their opinion. And, and then you have these business people up top and promoters making their moves, which they think is best. And then the players will pull in a different direction and, and, and be separated like it is kind of right now with AVP, P1440, NVL's kind of fizzling out, uh, FIVB. It's just, it, it comes down to everyone involved in the whole sport. And like, that's why I was saying sacrifice. For maybe. example, this, the, the, the P14, right? That mm -hmm. you're, how come these, these, uh, this entity, this new group of people that are coming in there, I think they're doing a phenomenal job. I think they can do a phenomenal job. How come they can't come together with the AVP? Now the AVP wants to put in events. These people want to come in. They want to do another eight events. Mm -hmm. How come they can't work together and talk it up and not having any tournament conflicting? That way, instead of uh, AVP players or American players, not even AVP players, we're talking about American players right. have the opportunity instead of playing eight events, now they can play 16 events. Yeah, so P1440's business model, I guess, clashes with what AVP has set up for themselves. So now AVP feels like they're on a slow plan, reliable plan to to make the, you know, make America's beach volleyball great again. But P1440 coming in, they feel like is is hurting them. 
So now we have another conflict. But that's the problem, you know what I mean? It comes down again, like we're just talking about here, about not coming together, not working under the same page. You know, I think that's what's hurting us. Yeah, I think it needed to be a case of, okay, we're going to come into this sport, but find a way to, to work together with what's already in place rather exactly. than starting new, you know? I think if you're really we'll willing see. to, if you really have the intention of help the sports, right? If it, because if you talk to the AVP, they wanted to help. If you talk to the P14, 40, right? They wanted to help the sports. Right. Okay, so. Same intention. Same intention. So how come we cannot help the sport? <laughs> That's a great how, point. Right? I mean, come on. Yeah. We need to figure that out. Totally. As a players too, as a coaches, as anybody that loved this game, you know what I mean? They can't be set on their own certain ways. Like, we want to do it this certain way, so get on board with us or else, or else you're not, you know, you're either with us or against us kind of thing. It, I think in some ways both sides got to meet in between. Granted, AVP is already in place and they've been the tour that's pulled us out of, you know, they've been our only tour really. Um, for the last few years, so I don't know. I don't have the answer. <laughs> the thing is that I mean, we're obviously we're players, we're coaches, and we wanted the best for our interest in too. I'm assuming the ADP has the same thing too. Oh, we're doing this because you know, or whatever the other tool. But so what? We need to figure it out. Yeah, you know, exactly. having all these problems is not helping us, right? I think now we have to stop talking about and just taking actions, you know? I think that finding the best tune, you know, like like I said before, there's a lot of business, a lot of people that understand about business, and a lot of people also understand about the sports. That's gotta be a, some sort of a combination that can work together and make this sport great again. Maybe they can combine something. It's gotta be a way. I don't believe that. Are you guys believing that, that they didn't, you know, there's, no room for working out. You don't think they can put themselves together and... There's always a way. Yeah, it's got to be always a way. Yeah, and one of the things that I really like P1440's idea for that digital platform, right? And I think that if you bring their idea and, and business acumen with that digital platform to the AVP, I think that's one of the biggest things the AVP is missing, and we brought it up a few times on the podcast, is that they don't do enough to promote the players and to introduce the public you know, who these players are, who are these beach volleyball athletes, what are they doing in their spare time. And I think that's one of the goals of P1440. We talked to the Wit Sisters last week, and, and they're signed on with P1440, and they're already doing a tremendous job promoting them. I'm wondering, like, if we brought that platform to the AVP, one big happy family, right? So we're all promoting oh, yeah. beach right? volleyball. We're all and growing the game. I think that's using great. Using the P1440, use their platform to promote their players as well too, right? They can do that as the same way the AVP can, you know, uh, uh, platform 1440 can use the AVP players. It's got to be yeah. a way they can come together and do something, you know, but uh, what we can't afford it, it to have another tour coming in and then we're splitting things up. I think that's going to bring us like back another five to 10 years. It could. And there's just, there's so much division. And this is actually kind of something that, that you were kind of firsthand witness to in that when the FIVB was coming up and the, there's a little rift between the FIVB and the AVP. Cause I know that when Sinjin and Randy were playing in FIVB events, 
they were getting they got fined seventy thousand dollars for skipping an AVP to play an FIVB. Well, they 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 was fined seventy five dollars, and I was banned for the nineteen Olympics. Seventy zeros. Seventy five dollars. Seventy five thousand. Damn. Wait, really? That's yeah. not, well, and that's but, back in the day. Well, they 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 was they were fined seventy five thousand dollars. You're saying, right, Travis? Yeah. I was banned. I mean, that, from from the Olympics because I was playing here in the AVP. Brazil wasn't too happy about that. Brazil wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> Either the FIVB. And wow. was that was that a decision that that you had to make between? Playing for Brazil in the Olympics first AVP, like did you know that what the consequences might have I, been? I knew the consequences, you know, and like I said, but because the tool was so great here, and I said, why well, I want to play an Olympics that happens only four every four years that I can play in a tour that I can make a great living every year. So I at least at that time I was banned, but I had options, you know what I mean? Yeah, and the options that I took that. And that I took the, at that time, it was better than going to the Olympics. That's my point of view because we're making a lot more money here in the AVP. Yeah, it's opposite of our problems now. <laughs> now we're like, from our problems all right, now, right? either yeah. we make the Olympics or it's going to be really hard to make a living. If you find an Basically, AVP yeah. player today, $70,000, you'd be finding them like four years salary. Yeah, $75 <laughs> is a whole for the whole tournament. Yeah, nowadays, yeah right? exactly. <laughs> for the whole entire you, tournament. You used to have $100,000 person or a... Uh, uh, first place prize money, right? Yeah, we had Cuervos that uh, even in the USA Open, it was $100,000 for the winner. Yeah. Now the World Tour Final is 100000 for the winner, but that's Good. Not, how much not all is, the teams how are How much qualified. is that five-star tournament at FIB Spain right now if you win? A, like a Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale? 40000 40, for the winners, right? And, and when I was playing, which sounds funny, it was, uh, it was fifty-six. Well, more. So now it's already well, a grand slam was fifty six. Now a five star is forty, and there's only three of them. But that's what happens when the FIVB doesn't have any challenge, right? When yeah. they don't have any competitors who against them. So basically, we don't have to put more money into the tour because no matter how much money we're gonna put in here, they're gonna have to come in here and play. Even if you don't play for the money, they're going to have to play for points. Exactly. Because everybody wants to go to the Olympics. Which is, that's pretty terrible. <laughs> right? Well, and, and <laughs> techni- follow but that thought. Technically, <laughs> technically they, they put more money in this year. Like, if you look at all the tournaments they have and add all the prize money up, it's, it's a record amount, which is what one of the articles said. But they just spread it out real so thin. They spread put out. in way more events. They've got like maybe what this year five or six or maybe even more one star tournaments. There's more one stars than five and four stars. Yeah, there's like oh, a combined nine. seventeen one and two stars. I think. Yeah, so it's crazy. Basically, they're they spreading the wealth. You know what I mean? And three, but unfortunately, they're they're throwing to the bottom. You know what I mean? And they're forgetting about the the top players. The, I feel like you're taking away incentive. First of all, you're taking away the incentive for the top players but also the young players they're going to want something to look forward to like why am I going to dedicate my entire life to this sport so I can go be like these older players who are making an extremely good living like because they're performing at the highest level but if you have the top players being like yeah I mean it's okay like I'm, it's barely worth my time up here at, at the very top once I made it 
then you're going to lose incentive from all these people at the backside well, too. Well, I can see that what the, F- the FIVB is uh, trying to do. I think giving the opportunity for players to enjoy the tool, you know, because sometimes you know how difficult it is with the system they have it, with the point system to get into the mid draw for the four or five yeah. uh, star tournament. I can see what the FIB is trying to do. They're trying to give you more tournaments for a player. They're, they're development players and young players to come right. and be part of the, the tool, but they can't take it away from the top. Right. You know, they totally. have to put more in the bottom, but they also they got to keep the top with more money as well, too. Like you said, so that way those players that are playing one and two stars, they can foresee the future. Yes, mm-hmm. if I do well here, I'm going to be able to do well. I'm going to be able to make a lot of money if I get enough points to get to the four and five right. stars. I think if I, I mean, yeah, you, they obviously have their plans and good intentions. Like they want to, they want more people in the world playing this sport, which is great. And I think that's why they're putting, you look at all these events in Africa. I mean, every continent has events now and they're spreading them out everywhere. So if you look at it, yeah, FIVB is spreading the sport of beach volleyball and, and it's becoming bigger, but they're taking from the top. So it, it's, it's just tough. It is they, tough. They're, just, they're just reallocating the money. It's not really growing. It's more just like, yeah, pushing and, it around. And as you can see, they change their politics every other year. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that next year we're gonna have more money in the tour. You know, the year of the Olympics, we're gonna have a lot more money in the tour. And you know, right. the year after the Olympics, they're gonna cut all the money <laughs> right. out of the tour. So that's what they have been doing for the past like three or four Olympics. You that's know? that's why but I got sick. Perfect what? timing. Because of what? Because <laughs> they, there's no competitive tour. If the ABP establish a strong tool here that they're having money, and next thing you know, the FIVB start losing their credibility, start losing the American players because now we don't want to go too much to the FIVB because we want to protect their national tour because they're paying well. That's true. You see a little bit of a difference in that. Yeah. You know? We're a little ways away from that, though. Yeah, unfortunately <laughs> we are, but, you know, that's the perfect world, right? Right. What I'm wondering is, so the AVP goes down in 97, 98, and how did you go about repairing your relationship with the Brazil Federation? Because you and Emmanuel ended up playing in the 2000 Olympics, so you ended up going back and competing for Brazil. How did you go about fixing that up? Well, actually, it was right after the Olympics in 1996 or I believe 1997 that we went back to Brazil, and then we kind of, with the Federation, you know, and then we had a good talk with them, and they kind of, like, clear us to uh, from the suspension, and then we were able to compete again in 1997. I think Brazil was expecting to do well in 1996, and they didn't. And the Olympics, and maybe they thought, hey, it's, let's have maybe those players are competing in the, in the AVP, they're competing international, let's open up for them as well too. Maybe we create a more competitive atmosphere between the players. Maybe mm-hmm. next time we go, we do well in the Olympics. It didn't happen. We didn't win in, nine, in 2000. But, but the following year, we ended up winning Brazil. And then, you know, so I think things happen for a reason, you know, and you never know. <laughs> yeah. And, and you and Emmanuel, I mean, you guys were hot going into yeah. Athens. You oh. won the one of 99 world championships, right? Yes, we were hot. We're the team to beat, you know. We're 
clearly have this opportunity. Unfortunately, we had a really bad game, you know, against the Spain. We ended up losing 17-15. It was at the end of the day. And, but this is part of the sport, right? Sometimes you're going to win. Sometimes you're going to lose. I'm not going to sit here and tell all the excuses because they changed the system. Mm-hmm. You know, we just lost. We just had a bad game and then we lost. And then you have to move on. And I think that kind of sums up the brutality of the Olympics too and, and the brutality of, of beach volleyball in general because unless you are a, an ardent beach volleyball fan, you only see beach volleyball once every four years. So, you know, for American fans who are just casual, say, Olympic fans and not necessarily beach volleyball fans, they'll see say Phil Dahlhauser and Todd Rogers kind of, you know, slumping in London. And they'll be mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you know, the Americans. And, and Jake and, and Rosie had a tough go at it too in 2012. And they're like, oh, well, well, the USA stinks at beach volleyball. When it's just so not true, right? No, and, well, and, no. and you just get one bad game. Well, but then also too, one bad game and then you lose the Olympics. Yeah. Well, who, but, was, the, who was the team to beat going into 2012? No one knew that Jake and Rosie were dominating the world and were – probably the favorites they were going smoking going they, they won the yeah, world they, tour yeah. they won they're winning everything. nobody knew that and nobody knows that but to that's this the, day that's the beauty of sports you know what i mean that it's sometimes it's unpredictable you can't you don't have a crystal ball you know you can't predict anybody's gonna have a bad game you know that's what a sport is right but you should be able to get back in track and go back and do it again. Unfortunately for us as a volleyball player, sometimes we don't have the second opportunity. You right. know what I mean? So because our sports are dying, because we don't have any more sponsors, we don't have any more tours, we don't have any more things so you can rely on it, so you can make a living. You have played with kind of a who's who of beach volleyball legends. I mean, you've played with Kent Steffes, who in my opinion – is probably the most underrated beach volleyball player because he had oh, kind of a short I career. I agree with you by far. That dude was a machine. Think about this. When you talk about Kent Steffes, there's a guy that is playing with the best player in the planet with Karch Kirai. And everybody wants to take up on those guys. And Kent Steffes, I don't know for how many years they play together, and he have seen every single serve coming to him. <laughs> and you have to shout out every ball. You have to shout out every game after game because you know constantly the balls keep coming to you. And you were playing with a guy like Karch Kirai and you're a young player and you're siding out. Come on, give me a break. He right? won his winning percentage. He won almost or a little bit more than half the tournaments he played in. That's Whoa. insane, you know? I mean, and, madness. and Kent Staff has had a real, he could have had a longer career. My, my situation was the same too. By 2003, 2004, I was playing under one leg. My hip was going bad. You know, I couldn't do it anymore. But Kent Staff, is, he decided to just walk away from the game. But it was amazing. I think you absolutely right. I don't see ever any more underrated player like Kent was, you know? The guy was amazing. Imagine, you winning 13 tournaments in a row. You won over 100 tournaments in a row, and you're getting every serve. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Think about that. You're, either you're going to break it down or you're going to become a side-out machine, right? Nick Lucena's got to cut out for him right now. Yeah, I mean, that's really the only Anyone comparison. that plays with Phil. Well, Todd, Todd did an Todd amazing got job for a while. Well, Todd, Todd did a really good job 
I wish that, uh, you know, those guys that went there with you in a while, they had that personality that came instigated the whole thing, you know what I mean? They could have brought more into this AVP mm -hmm. that also too, by AVP losing their credibility a little bit and not having some players coming, competing here, we lost all that. You know, we need to have, when we talk about our, I'm sorry changing the conversation here a little bit, but when you talk about national tool, we gotta do something here. We have to build characters. We can't survive on players you just like, Okay, I'm passing, I'm setting. You have to have some diversity. You have to have characters out there. You have to have people like, you know, doing things that you're provoking, you're, you're teasing. You have to have entertainment. I think that's what we're missing. If Trevor Crab. Yeah, right? <laughs> Trevor's listening, he's so happy right now. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, I, I can say that I probably need to do more. I, I wasn't that crazy of a... I'm more of like yeah. a... I guess I don't know modern athlete where where you you think you have to focus and and anything outside of that is is a distraction from like you playing well but it's not really true. No. And no, no. now I've kind of seen that especially like, now that I've been look, a personality look, here. They were like if you're looking and they were born but mm -hmm. what motivate them what did the difference for them was that they were playing so hard every time. So that makes a huge difference. That right. stands out, even right, if right, you right. don't say a word. But your actions in the court, you know? It has to be real. It has to be authentic. But you yes. have to be willing to show it. And that's, I think, what the difference is. When I was a young player, it was like, don't show it because you're, you're distracted. You know, focus, be quiet, and get your job done. But yeah. now I'm, I'm seeing that... People just want to see the real, the real you. You got to let it out, though. Yeah, and, and sometimes you never know. Sometimes you can wake up a, like a, a sleep giant inside mm -hmm. of you that you don't even know you have it. Right. And then next thing you know, you can inflame the whole crowd. You can bring the whole atmosphere up to the roof. You yeah. know, I think that's what we need. We need players that are excited, players that have characters. Right. They're they're not fake. They're not doing that just because they're. They wanted to look good on TV. It has to be, like you said, authentic. Yes. And I know that Kent might not have said much on the court, but he, he was definitely a little bit of an instigator off of it, right? Oh, there was a, was, a fair right. amount of bad blood with, with Kent. Lewis. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and Stokos, too. Yeah. yeah, he had some <laughs> bad stuff. But I, I don't think so much with Randy Stokos. I think that... What happens with between him and Brian, it's stay with them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of good stories there. Oh, it's always a great stories, you know. What's a, what was one of your favorite events to play in? Um, one of my favorite events that one year we had, it was Grand Haven, believe it or not. It's in Lake Michigan. Really? Yes. I mean, in fact, that year, it was voted the tournament of the year. You wow. can Google, you can look up on the AVP. And why? What, what made it, what separated it? Well, because the whole city was embracing the tournament. Mm -hmm. There was that huge, huge party atmosphere. And that's what we are. Mm -hmm. Beach volleyball, it's all about the happiness, you know, the party atmosphere. People are coming to the event, you know, to have fun. And we had a lot of fun. And that place was a great place to be. It was on the lake, Michigan, you know, kind of by the water. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I don't know why, but it was a great event. You know, it turned out to be a, one of the best events I ever played. 
What's your favorite event to go to now? Now that you're coaching and I traveling mean, around, what I do you, mean, which one do you obviously like? Obviously, Manhattan Beach is always the granddaddy. Granddaddy. And because I also live in Manhattan. Beach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, like, nothing like walking. Besides uh, Manhattan Beach, well, another place that I used to love to go was uh, Austria, Klagenfurt. Klagenfurt, yeah. Klagenfurt, they, they know how to do they know how to do it they know yeah. how to put the potty and once again you look the best tournaments that we ever had it's because people know how to throw a great potty people know how to bring people in you're not only like oh just watching the game there's more involved you know there's also the atmosphere. obviously the atmosphere i think that's really the change so what's the what's the best party then if you can, I know you can't pick one, but that's <laughs> funny, man. <laughs> you know what? I had a. We used to have a really good time in Clearwater with the Quervo. Ah. You know, back in the days, they used to have the Quervos on uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday because they wanted to have everyone enjoy the party at the tournament. Right. So they always finished the tournament on Saturday, so every player can stay and hang out and be part of it. And people, the fans, love it. In fact, one year I was at in Santa Cruz, and Karch was there too, and he was having a great time, you know? And so everybody had a great time. He, I mean, it's, you know... I but, like that idea to end a tournament on a Saturday and yeah. let everybody have some fun. I'm sure, that, I'm sure Taylor wouldn't mind being able to celebrate. Was, <laughs> a lot of players would love that too. My, <laughs> my first AVP victory was Milwaukee. Bradford Beach, which is actually a really cool event. I saw the other day somebody posted a picture of me and Adam Jones playing that Milwaukee. Bradford Beach? Yes. Yeah. So it was in the Facebook or... The, yeah. It was a really cool media. event. Yeah. But yeah, there's like event. bars on the beach. Well, not only that, but because before then, we used to be sponsored by Miller Lite. Uh, and that's what the house of Miller Lite. Uh, that's yeah. their hobby, right? Their hub. Right, right. Oh, yeah, that's their hub. Their hub, yeah. That's um, their hub of, uh, you know, that's what they make all the beers. <laughs> Yeah, see, I was an idiot. My, I won my first AVP. <laughs> I won my first AVP at that beach. And, it, I mean, it was pretty packed. It wasn't like it was back in the day. But I got, I had my flight. My flight was in, like, two hours. So I just ran out of the stadium. I didn't even, like, sign autographs. Or, didn't like, even enjoy the A victory, few people, right? I didn't enjoy it. I got in a van, went straight to the airport, and I'm sitting on the plane like, why did I do that? That Don't was really bad. stupid. Don't feel bad. I got it. home at midnight. <laughs> And nothing was open to eat. Right. It was Sunday night, so all my friends and everyone I knew had work the next morning. What I was just did, like, well, what I would, do, what we did back in the days, because we used to do the same too. Oh mm-hmm. God, we won! Now we gotta take a fight back home. We used to party on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been that. solo partying. Like, well, that, you know, <laughs> hey, you gotta do what you gotta you do. Gotta, yeah, you gotta celebrate somehow. I came home and chugged the beer with my girlfriend at the time. <laughs> Who's now my wife? But and, let me and ask that was you it. That, that was my celebration. That beer tastes really good, huh? It was a great beer. <laughs> it, was, it was a little depressing that I was having it alone, but right that you can enjoy the body of it. Yeah, I think Billy Allen has one of my favorite stories from after his his so his first win, I believe, was in Seattle with Theo two two years ago, and but he had a flight, so they were flying out to I think it was Germany for an FIVB. So in between the semis and the finals, because they were playing on the same day, he had to go to the airport, check his bags in, fly b- or drive, like, back. drive back like 10 minutes before their final started <laughs> oh against God. Trevor and Taylor. They win the final. 
take a couple pictures, barely make their flight on time, go in a qualifier. I think it was uh, Hamburg. They made it through the quality, oh, yeah. did, a, did another one in Poland, and then they came back, and then Billy was like, oh, yeah, we won that one yeah, like three exactly. weeks ago. I remember it more. It's like, well, this is one thing that we learned back in the days. When you won a tournament, you can be too happy, or if you lose a tournament, you can be too sad because there's always another tournament every yeah. weekend. So, But don't forget to celebrate it. Don't forget to celebrate it. You, you never know if time, there's going to be another. Yeah. <laughs> I, told, I told your player, Sarah, I told Sarah after winning uh, Chicago, Chicago, and they were getting right on the plane. I was like, cancel your flight. Don't do what I did. And they didn't listen to <laughs> Just me. Just embrace it. Well, it's it's just the culture now that we've done that too so many times, you know, because yeah. you're weaning every weekend, so you know, like, <laughs> I can't well, party every week. That's a good problem to have. That's yeah. a great <laughs> problem to have. I always, I was okay with that. Yeah, you, I For mean, sure. you won fifty-five. That's a really high number. Yeah, fifty-five, like in a short uh, period of time, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you and you won what thirteen events in ninety-seven alone. I don't know. I can't remember. I think, yeah. <laughs> Too many I'm to count. Being cocky, but I, sometimes, you know, there's many things, you know, you forget. Uh, I got to win a lot more to not remember. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite win? Uh, gosh. Favorite win. I was really happy when I won my first tournament on the beach in 1995 with Adam Johnson. Yeah. But I also was really happy, too, because back in the days that you used to have this, this sweep, the South Bay. When you win Manhattan and Hermosa in the same year, and I believe that one year I won Manhattan, and then I was going to Hermosa Beach to play, and that year, Adam uh, Karch Kirai was the favorite to win, and he was playing with Akatobi, the local guy, the whole news, the whole broadcast, just pumping up on them. And they're just getting us really pissed off, you know, because uh, we just won the Manhattan. We're doing really well. How come these guys are only talking about these players? Mm-hmm. How come they're not talking about us? Yeah. And I would say, screw that. Let's go after him. Let's win this tournament here. <laughs> yeah. And let's kick some ass and show them who they should, you know, put on TV. Next thing you know, we're in the finals against Karch and Ak, and we went up 14-1. Oh, what? <laughs> Yeah, so we ended up winning Dang. that 15-13. But that was oh, a yeah. It was great. It was a, one of the, the best victories I have had, you know. And Did you guys get a little tight at 14-1? Uh, <laughs> yeah, geez. I won. Actually, I won one final in Santa Cruz. I can't recollect who it was. or I know it was in, I think it was in 1995 or 1996. We won the Cuervo fine and the Cuervo at that time. It was $100,000 prize money, and we won the final at 15 0. No I don't way. think that was never done. Damn. <laughs> and we For 100 did. grand? For 100 grand. Me oh and Adam Johnson. 15 0. I'm going to have to look up to see who they beat. <laughs> <laughs> we need a whole other podcast to, to have some stories with what you did with that 100 grand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that when, you're, when you're 20 something years old, running around with your buddy, Angino. <laughs> Well, we have kept you here for, for a really long time. We appreciate you taking so much time to oh, hang out and chat so with us. I hope everyone likes it, what we're talking about here. Hopefully, oh, this, is, this is gold. I don't think okay. anyone can Trust dislike them. this. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to need a dislike. That's okay, too. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> as long as we're having fun, you know. Yeah. I think uh, thanks, thanks for you guys for having me here. I think it was a great – I feel really comfortable talking to you guys over here. I think it was a great 
podcast. You know, yeah, it's fun. It is there is there anything else that you want to mention? Anything that we might have missed? I mean, I, I think that honestly, we could probably I have think, about five podcasts I with think you. We, yeah, we have to stay here all night long. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. I think so far everything we've said here, it's a, we, it's good. You know, it, I mean, obviously you always wanted to say more, but like I said, I don't want to. Yeah, we have too much. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, too much. we'll bring you back on at some point. This is this is. This is going to keep happening. Yeah, for we'll sure. have to it's have. It's like the, the, what people say nowadays, right? Sometimes less is more, right? Yeah. Yeah, we got to keep them on anymore. <laughs> right? We'll have to have you, you, Summer, and Sarah. We could have our first five person day, podcast. Yeah. We just go. need another mic. We just need another mic. Or I'm out. Try out. Maybe uh, I'll just have some China wine on the side. Maybe after Huntington Beach, if it goes well, we can, you know. A victory podcast. A victory podcast. Victory podcast. Great. Let's make it happen. I like it. Now, our, our final question for our guests is now always, uh, if you could give any advice to an up-and-coming or, or young volleyball player, what would that be? So you've seen, and this would be great advice for any young listeners too, because, I mean, you've seen volleyball at, at the peak to the bottom. Now we're coming back up. You've coached it. You've played it. What you got would that your own kids. Well, you? sometimes, yeah. you know, uh, my, my biggest advice is that, I mean, everyone has to have perseverance, but, uh, but also, too, that you got to love to do what you do. I think it has to come from your heart. It has to come from you that this is what I like to do and this is what I'm gonna do. I think a lot of times people not really sure what they wanna do, but if this is something that you wanna do, go for your dreams, you know? Every, every dream, it's possible. You gotta dream first, you know? Once you dream it, make it happen. Be happy, you know? Go out there and do whatever it takes it and have the passion. Make it happen. I like the theme of that. Yeah. Well, Jose Loyola, we appreciate it so much that you came in to chat with us. Hope hope you had fun. I know we, we always have fun. Sorry we uh, broke your no drinking during the week. But, oh, uh, but uh, you had to, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you got to do what you got to do for the podcast. But Bye. thanks again for coming on. We'll definitely have to have you on again. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you for having me here. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Jose. That was fun. Hector.